All right. Hey, what's up, guys? We have Lucas here. He has a homesteading podcast and a climate change podcast. So how's it going today? How you doing, Lucas? I'm I'm okay. Uh, it's been the sun is out, so it's been a busy day. <laughs> How are yeah. you, Micah? I'm good. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Sure. Uh, my name's Lucas. Uh, uh, originally from upstate New York, uh, I've I've kind of done it all, uh, from you know getting a culinary degree to working in offices. Uh, before I I sort of checked out on uh, what most would consider normal life. Uh, and uh, bought a property with my my wife in Vermont uh, just over four years ago, and have been very enthusiastically growing and um, uh, homesteading uh, and uh, really self sustainability as a focus. And in the last gosh now two months, uh, my my friend Eric, a fellow homesteader and uh, longtime friend Lily, have put out a, a podcast uh, called Broken Shovel. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm interested in both, and um, I don't know too much about like homesteading, but so sure. basically, you're you're just completely living. That just pretty much means you're living off the grid, completely self-sustaining, right? Not completely. You know, a, a, a responsible person, and I like to think of myself as one, uh, grows each year towards sustainability, and every year we do gain sustainability. Uh, we, you know, we do still take trips to the grocery store, but uh, there is a massive garden, some would call, you know, and I just call it a massive garden because it's just the two of us, uh, where we eat from during the growing seasons here in Vermont and then store as much as we can uh, for, the, for the winter months. Uh, I source my, my beef from my neighbor across the road. Uh, chicken is from a, a local farm. So, you know, we are sustainable within our community is how I would put it. Okay, cool. Is, is it any, any way similar to like, I always forget the, the name of this, but kind of like bunkering down, like the people who are uh, kind of like afraid of the- Preppers? Yeah, prepper, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, on the spectrum <laughs> of uh, hippie who, who doesn't want to uh, get involved in capitalism as a system that's failing, uh, to prepper, I'm somewhere in the middle. I- I could probably do better than most people uh, under these circumstances, but I, uh, I I've always found a prepper to be someone who is more engaged in making sure other people don't have their resources. Where as a homesteader, you engage in com community for sustainability. Uh, so you know, I work with my neighbors, and I work with. Uh, you know, I live in a town of less than 700 people. Uh, so it's, it's really easy to kind of get to know a lot of people. And while I am prepared for uh, a problem to happen, uh, you know, I believe in our supply chain, I, I don't stockpile ammo and I certainly don't uh, fend my resources against other people. Yeah. So preppers do do that. Like they kind of like, kind of like try to hoard all well, those no, those ones those, those ones you see on TV, I think yes, I think that's that's sort of that image that's been given to us in media. Um, I, I I believe you can be prepared uh, without being unreasonable and uh, not needing to feel like you need to defend your resources from your neighbors. Uh, 
yeah. so uh you know like i said on a scale of hippie to prepper i'm somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah it's for them it's kind of like an us versus them type thing kind of like a walking dead type like you know like thing right like it's like i well yeah i i i have with you, that impression and well and and here's the thing micah so you know i i grew up in upstate new york in a semi-rural semi-suburban environment uh and then you know had the the ability to sort of move around the country living in places like baltimore and then ultimately you know ending up in portland oregon and then ultimately uh before moving here uh to the bay area of california and while i was in the bay area of california that's where my wife is from so we we moved there to be closer to her family um while we were there, I felt that that feeling that that sort of like I need to protect myself from all of these other people. There are too many people and they're going to take the things I have. And I felt that feeling all the time. I don't feel that feeling, you know, staring out at nothing on my 11 acres in the middle of nowhere. I, I see a bear come across the, the back, you know, the back three acres and I go, okay, that's less berries for me this year, but way to go bear. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've never really looked at it though. You know, the way that, you know, I know understandably a lot of people do, whereas like, I got to protect my stuff. Part of it's because I don't really have too much. You know what I mean? It's like, right. But it's like, I totally agree with you in terms of the capitalism thing. I just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's so hard to, you know, I live in Southern California and it's extremely difficult just to survive out here on like a normal paying job. I don't know how everyone. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you have to make I at least a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so recently um, I was like delivering, my last job was delivering for Amazon, Amazon. And then just mm -hmm. recently I started doing like the, um, the gig economy thing. So now I'm still yeah. delivering for Amazon, but it's the like Amazon flex and then like Walmart spark, which are both, you know, terrible companies, but it's a lot more like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more like flexible and right. I, I choose my own hours. And it's like, I don't have to do this like grind of like nine to five every day or more. Um, right. It's also hasn't been as much money, but yeah, so in terms of the political, I guess in terms of just like maybe political collapse type thing, you kind of mentioned you seeing that coming. Um, how, like, how do you potentially see that coming? Like, in what way? <clears throat> oh, as far as, you know, collapse, you know, all, all any of us can do is guess. There are so many options on the table right now. <laughs> you know, you know we're, we're a country that's recently seen uh, some very interesting political upheaval that seems to be uh, resurfacing. Uh, there is obviously uh, pandemic related issues. We saw them in black and white uh, supply chain issues, uh, being able to get products to people who expect them to be there because they've always been there. And now that the world is changing and you can't get workers into a small space because it puts their health at risk during something like a pandemic. Uh, it's, um, you know, out here, and I'll give you an example. Out here, you you sort of learn to live with that. Uh, being, you know, in Southern California, you're very close to a port city. Uh, a port city for me is, is quite far away. Uh, so there has been times when we needed something, whether it was for, you know, to have guests over or something like that, we needed to go to the grocery store to get more bacon. 
I would get, my wife would come home and say, they didn't have bacon. Now, just imagine going to your grocery store where there are 10 to 20 different choices of bacon. And now there's none. And I'm talking turkey bacon, uh, soy bacon, all of the stuff, bacon, right? They call it. It was empty because we are at the end of the supply chain. And this was May of this year. No major disasters, right? (laughs) Just didn't have bacon. Yeah. Uh, It's, it. you know, so I see, you know, if we are looking at societal collapse, it is going to be because of the supply chain. And it's all well and good to stockpile weapons and stockpile canned goods and, and, you know, have, have those those things and those skills but if you don't know if you don't have seeds if you don't know how to plant them if you don't know how to grow them nurture them harvest them and preserve them you can prep all you want you're going to be coming to my home asking for a zucchini (laughs) so it's just societal collapse i I believe and some of my co-hosts uh have different beliefs and uh but I believe it's going to come from uh, the collapse of the supply chain and the, you know, being too used to having all of these options of backup options and everything else. Yeah. And I think that part of the problem is in terms of the supply chain. Um, I feel like we kind of like didn't really know what was going on with inflation. Like I feel like I never really got like a good answer. I mean, I could, I'm sure it's out there. But it's like in terms of why is inflation happening? And I've heard, you know, so many different things like it, like it's COVID. It's, you know, the war in Ukraine. It's um, the supply chain from COVID. Do you know? I mean, do you know the answer to that, I guess? Like, why is the inflation so bad? Or Well, I'm, I'm it not seems like they don't really give us like enough information on the day to day of like, this is why this is happening. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, everything suddenly just almost like doubled in price you know even at fast food restaurants it's like 50 to 20 dollars now it's like i'm not an economist you know i uh, obviously I, I i have access to the same information that you do um you know and there's a lot around greedflation uh and companies like home depot who you know had supply chain issues with uh, lumber specifically, and those prices went through the roof. Those prices have not gone down, and and certainly not to pre-pandemic levels if they have gone down at all. Um, you know, outside of that, and being able to actually have that information, you know, as we talk about, like really not having that information. Um, and this is leaning towards the hippie side of me, but they are never going to give you the information that you need to overthrow them. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it becomes, and I love that I sound like the crazy one because I am, I am the crazy one on our show, I think sometimes, but you're never going, they're never going to be like, oh, it's because we made all these backdoor deals and now oil is more expensive because we didn't include the, the folks from Saudi Arabia. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense that like they don't want to tell us everything because of that. They don't want us to overthrow them or they just don't really feel like it's necessary for us to know or whatever. Um, but yeah, I feel like in general, there's a lot of like, I don't, yeah, there's a lot of like conspiracy theories going on, as you know, 
and everybody like you i think even like both sides i'm assuming you being like you know a hippie a liberal <laughs> still kind of like has similar beliefs like that as the right side right I, i'm hearing it a lot from the right where it's mm -hmm. like the government's corrupt and all this stuff but i think i don't really know i, I feel like the left is a little bit more um understanding i guess of the government and it's right i mean I would not say that I am more understanding of the government. There's there's a couple of factors there. Um, you know, our our government has set us up into capitalism as a form of complacency, right? We have how many options for president at the end of of a run for a race? Two. Two. How many options do you have at the gas pump? Three. Three, four, right, sometimes two. if you, yeah. uh, how many options do you have at Dunkin' Donuts? In terms of like everything? Endless, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you see this throughout your life where we're given the illusion of choice constantly. Like we're not, I, I don't believe in the government. And I think that's where I sort of align with preppers and, and that sort of stuff in that I think that a lot of this is just falsehoods that we're being fed and it's to make sure that you know six to ten people have all of the money um uh, so i i don't engage in conspiracy theories i engage in facts yeah. and if we're being given the illusion of choice in our day-to-day -day life we're not choosing anything we're being told that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are our only options right now. Yet no one has said we do have the option to overthrow the government, you know, like <laughs> we do have the option to not engage in this failed experiment of democracy anymore. It's just it makes I, I and conspiracy theories are one thing and and you know, and I love the that they exist because they're entertaining, but their their name is in fact proof that they are false. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I also wasn't trying to say that, like you know, you you believe in those, but like everything that you said. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, like I think it all makes sense. I just think it's when you go too far. Yes. Maybe one way or the other. I'm I'm more of a liberal, so um, but like I've seen people kind of go way down the rabbit hole conspiracy <laughs> yes. where it's like, you know, nothing is true. And it's like, I mean, the way that I look at things is like, I, well, first of all, I think part of the reason why America is doing as well as it is is because they have people like you who are willing to fight back. I think that you need that. But with me, I think I might probably be a little bit too complacent. But I think that I am somewhat trusting of, obviously, I think that they have, you know, they're doing some bad stuff. But at the same time, I think overall, I'm trusting and when people say stuff like, oh, there's so much like homeless in LA or San Francisco, a lot, I get it a lot here in California where it's like, the government's not doing anything. And it's like they should be doing more about the homelessness, in my opinion. Absolutely. But at yeah. the same time, like there is just going to be that. I don't, I'm not saying that it should be that way. Like they should definitely clean it up. But it's kind of like, are they able to? There's only so much that they can do. Um, and it's like, overall, I would say that, like, in comparison to other countries, I feel like our government is doing a 
pretty good job. That being said, you are right. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I they like also do that. a lot of bad, evil stuff that like we don't even know about. But Pro- probably, and <laughs> and you know, and like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I just think that the democratic experiment in the United States has failed, and well, we need to mean? see. Sorry. Uh, oh, uh, we just need to see radical change in our government. And, yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, yield to you. What, what's your question? Well, why you mentioned democracy has failed. Like, what do you mean by democracy has failed? Do you, do you feel like capitalism has failed, or, or what? Or just democracy in general? Like, I guess the question would be: Is what do you think that we should be ultimately? Like, what is your like? You know what I mean? Like, what's the answer to democracy? I guess. Well, Mike, I don't and know also how to put this. Sorry. And I don't know what the uh, the cuss level is on your show. It's fine. You can cuss as much as you want. Uh, if if you have a deformed beast with three eyes that has emerged from a from a, a lake filled with nuclear waste, and that deformed beast sets eyes upon a a, a fucking hideous five legged creature that has crawled out from the nevada desert because of nuclear waste these two beasts being democracy and capitalism (laughs) and they get into bed together nothing good is going to come out of that uh if you take two manipulated systems and put them in bed together nothing good is going to come of that democracy isn't what our founding fathers intended it to be, uh, based, you know, on very basic uh, Greek forms of democracy. And capitalism is, by definition, a system of, of oppression. So you put these two in bed together, and they start squeezing into each other, it's it's going to produce a hideous beast. So you can't, have failure of one without the other you got yeah, me you well, get me yeah yeah no and i and I, overall i agree with you but for one i feel like demo- whenever i hear the, the term democracy like democracy is failing or whatever it's like i don't even fully understand what that is i mean isn't democracy is like essentially like we all kind of we all kind of vote and we all kind of like try to get our way in a sense isn't that what democracy means and i know that you're saying that they they're doing it wrong and i see what you're saying but is that what do you mean exactly by democracy in 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 America? I guess like um... uh, without citing memes. <laughs> um, so democracy in uh, this country isn't isn't what I see in rural. Ver- I hate that word, rural Vermont. So democracy, as it was taught to me in elementary, junior, and high school, was that we had a direct voice, a direct line of communication with our representatives. We would not only vote for those representatives that matched our interests, but we would also be able to communicate with them. And I don't know the last time you emailed a senator, congressman, or even a local government official. But here in Vermont, I can 
talk to my select board. I can talk to my town clerk within minutes and discuss things that are going on in a democratic forum <laughs> in my town. And then, you know, and when we have, uh, and not many people are, are familiar with this, every year, every single town in Vermont has a town meeting day. And the entire town comes together. We vote on several things, like, do we want to pay the cops to be here? No, we don't. No cops. And we also have our state representatives present to be spoken to. And no when cop. you live... Oh, yeah, we voted against cops. Wow, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that one. Essentially, so essentially <laughs> the police force, you know, we have a state police in Vermont and they're wonderful. They, they, they help a lot of people and they keep bears off the interstate. Uh, but as far as sheriffs and town police go, pretty much it's rent-a-cops. You make a contract with the sheriff and you might make a contract with a sheriff in your town in Southern California, but no one has told you that because someone else is voting on your behalf. And, and that's something, you know, I encourage people to look into. Like we had these old timers, like the real grizzled red hats standing up in the back of the town meeting asking, what has the sheriff ever done for you? And everybody went, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I don't want to pay them. And and we voted and we didn't pay for the goddamn cops. <laughs> yeah. so, well, it's funny. It's just like I live here in Southern California and it's like when you ask that question, what is the I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want cops, but what has the cops done for you? And it's like they really I mean, I I don't think they've really done much for me besides like you know pull me over for speeding or whatever and this was like a long i haven't got pulled over for speeding in a while surprisingly but yeah. it's like you know what i mean like it seems like all they're really kind of all they've really done when i now that i think about it is kind of just like pull me over for speeding you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like um, right and and thinking about community involvement and things like that and then uh, this is the best part uh here in orange county vermont i have no problem throwing these guys under the bus we found out after not voting for them because they didn't do anything, that they had been stealing all of the money that had been coming in. And this is something we're seeing in like Chicago where they're writing fake tickets uh, just to make sure they're meeting their quotas and they get their bonuses. Here, they were, you know, there was people that haven't worked for the department for four or five years and their cell phones were still being paid for. Their vehicle was owned by the sheriff's department and they were just driving around a sheriff's vehicle with the logo and everything like just absolutely bananas wasteland out here and when you start seeing that level of corruption versus the level of involvement in your your immediate area you it becomes very clear what decisions you have to make and it's for me, anyway, it's easy to look at my very, very, very small slice of life and expand it out and look at the state and then look at the country and say, you know what? I don't think we're trying hard enough. I think what we're doing right now is not trying hard enough to take care of the people in our town. Like, yeah. can you can you ask yourself, like, what has 
uh, what's uh, you know, what has your state senator or or congressional representative done for you lately like yeah, have not, you ever met them not much at all but i think that part of the problem is is where i live it's i just kind of like assume it, there's so many people that it's hard to get like a direct one-on-one -on -one line with i mean there should be somebody you know like i i don't know if there is or not but um whereas where you live it sounds like you guys have like a lot more say in exactly yeah i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't have a solution for you in southern california other than being very very persistent and forming a group and saying you need to listen to us there's a lot of us but you know yeah. <sighs> and there are there are ways to do it out here i know like if you go way out in like the desert you can like out in, i don't know you probably have heard of joshua tree like way out in of joshua course, tree, yeah. i heard i heard you can get like some sort of self-sustaining thing but yeah it's very hard if you i think that if you live in a a, uh, a busy area um yeah. i disagree micah like if if you know one of the first steps in a in a community that is large is to find ways to make it small community gardens uh general meetups and you know just community meetings you know uh i i i have 700 people in my whole town you probably have 700 people on your block, if not more. And yeah. if you were to able to organize with somebody in that town and start a community garden, and all you do is like tomatoes and peppers and, and onions, you're still gonna be there weeding when someone you've never met comes in. And, and that's, that is homesteading, that is sustainability, that is yeah. reaching in and, and, and working with people. But yeah, I mean, but then you get to like, you know, sat like you were saying about San Francisco or or downtown or LA, you know, I mean, you're right. I think that if you form little, like little subgroups within the community, you could probably get it done. But I think it's the bigger the city, the harder it is to, you know, do this type of thing. But I mean, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm sure you could do it, it wherever you want to be. You really, you can do a lot if you're looking beyond the distractions and this kind of goes back to what i was saying before uh you know we're 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 given the illusion of choice all the time but we're never given the illusion to or i'm sorry the choice to ignore that illusion and yeah. you know because you know and don't get me wrong i was just watching old reruns of 30 rock while i make hot sauce for the farmer's market this week but it's we aren't given an option to zoom in on our lives and zoom in on our neighbors in a positive way uh you know we're gosh i love what a crazy hippie i sound like as soon as i get intense <laughs> oh no it's it's fine because i mean i mostly agree with you but i had like two more questions on this and then i kind of want sure sure climate change because that those that's where i have actually the most questions but um yeah so in terms of rant on you oh no it's fine um in terms of money um are you guys like do you guys have any type of like normal job or like are you just kind of like completely um yeah like how, i guess how, how do you make money or like oh, or, or, do, or do you just not deal with money as far as my wife and I go, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we still live in modern society and we have to pay taxes and, you know, we have to do things like that. And we are growing 
you know, and, and I mentioned earlier, every year we grow a little further toward self-sustainability. Uh, my wife works in childcare, uh, private childcare, and um, pays most of the bills. I, uh, I have not worked a job in eight months. I, I, I parted ways with my last employer and became a full-time homesteader. Um, and I don't consider that a job. Uh, you know, I, I, I do what needs to be done each day around our house, whether it's stacking firewood, uh, weeding the garden, or, you know, uh, going to the farmer's market and selling the things that we make and grow. Yeah, yeah I think there's, a, like you said, you don't consider it like a job. I think there's like a big thing with not having a, a quote unquote job. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, like, I feel so, like, even though I'm like making less money and it's like the hours are kind of like, from what I'm doing with the gig jobs, like they're somewhat random. I'm so much happier doing this than having like that fucking nine to five. Like there's something about that, like Monday through Friday, that's just <laughs> so just dreadful to wake up every morning and have it's, to go into that shitty job that you fucking hate to make your boss money, you know? And it's just like, it's almost, yeah, it's almost like, you know, we weren't meant to do this and sit no. in little boxes all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we're meant really, we're, really, we're meant to do what you're doing, which is out in the fields, you know, gardening or whatever. I don't know if you do much hunting or anything. Do you do any hunting? Uh, trapping, uh, which is uh, a part of my learning skills to exit capitalism. I, I don't. If and this is, I'll, I'll keep this brief. I promise. Uh, if we were to look at a collapse and people were starting to look around to steal other people's resources, I don't want a gun going off near my property telling people where my property is. I will yeah. trap a rabbit, <laughs> go get it. <laughs> so uh, yes, trapping, growing, and raising is, yeah. is truly the way to do it. And I know some people have gone like full or some people just are full or full vegan and what do you what do you real quick too what do you think about the whole like um like fake meat thing like do you think that's going to come into i don't even know what that's called but not fake meat but you know what i mean like uh, yeah these uh sort of protein-based meat alternatives and yeah. or, are you talking more about like the lab grown stuff well i've heard that like we're moving in a direction where they they yeah they want to do like lab grown meats and maybe eventually get to the point where like we're eating like fake meat so we don't have to kill the animals i, I don't know too much about that either uh you know i gotta tell you Mike, i i i don't see lab grown or um anything along those lines entering my life so i don't give it much thought i have no problem with plant-based alternatives uh but uh you know it's i grow a ton of beans because it's a really solid protein source and I don't have to do a lot to store it for the winter. Uh, yeah. And I could probably make a hamburger out of beans, uh, but I could also just eat a bowl of beans. So I think it's, I think it's just, uh, again, it's sort of the illusion of choice that people who, who don't want to eat meat are given a packaged alternative and uh, it's just an unnecessary <laughs> expense when you could, you know, even like if you have a small patio or, or balcony, you could grow enough beans to eat all winter in one pot. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of having to kill animals to eat is just kind of like an awful idea. And it's like, 
you know, obviously like, I don't know enough about it and I'm not doing it, but I'm still eating meat. So obviously they're killing animals, but so you, you don't think the, um, the lab thing is probably going to happen within our lifetime. Like you think eventually they'll get to that point, but it probably won't be within. I really have no idea. I don't give it that much thought because there's no way that that's going to enter my life because I, you know, (laughs) I can, I can butcher a chicken. I can butcher a rabbit. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I have the skills to exit capitalism in that vein. You know, I, I can kill a chicken very humanely in a way that is very comfortable for both me and the bird. My wife is much better at, you know, processing it after the, the, the killing, but, you know, together as a team, we don't have to buy chicken if we don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, and then we'll get to the, the um, global warming, but sure, in terms yeah. of the, um, the alternative option for capitalism, do you, do, you, do you buy into like communism or socialism or anything like that? Or do you think there's a good alternative to capitalism? I, I think, you know, one of the best alternatives to capitalism is uh, commerce. <laughs> so, which, you know, is a very strong distinction, which is I exchange goods for other goods or services where I have done the work let's just say hypothetically i made a birdhouse and you have a large grove of carrots but you want more birds because they will kill the insects that kill your carrots okay let's work out a trade great that's commerce um exchanging currency for goods is commerce if i am inflating the cost of my birdhouse and feeding the person who actually made the birdhouse or I'm sorry, paying the person who actually made the birdhouse one carrot and I get 50 carrots, uh, you know, that's, that's an oppressive system. So basically anything that isn't an oppressive system that takes advantage of skilled people is, is a, a good alternative to capitalism. Yeah, so I guess the the main difference would be it would be more on kind of like a personal level as opposed to like this giant level. Politically, politically, I'm not trying to rewrite the book. Personally, I am trying to rewrite the book. I am learning skills, so I am less dependent on capitalism. So capitalism has one less victim. And you know, through both my my podcast with with Eric and Lily, and through like my TikTok, which is embarrassing, uh, I I intend to teach people these skills to take one more little brick out of the wall of capitalism, and because by learning skills, you become less reliant on capitalism. Capitalism is an impressive system. I don't have the answer to replacing it. I I am not an economist. I am not a politician. I am not anything other than a guy who, who is going to go out and pick some more green beans tonight. But well, actually, first thing in the morning, because you want to pick them in the morning. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I don't have a solution to that. There's the, the, my rebellion against capitalism is homesteading. Yeah. 
and it's like it's like your only way really to to do what you're doing or like to i guess like fight well not really the only way i guess you can you know rise up or whatever but it's like the the best way to kind of like fight against the system is just to kind of like opt out of it and that's what i'm to be honest with you that's what i'm trying to do but then it's like the hard part about that is when you do that you get a bunch of people telling you you get culture society telling you oh like you can't do that or like you know like you have to have a regular job and it's like why but it's like i think there are other ways of doing it you know what i mean like whether even the gig economy even though i'm still i'm technically still i have a normal your, job but your it's like, survival is very important uh, yeah. to me and and to you <laughs> so you, yeah. you should do what it takes to survive yeah. but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take that time to learn skills to be able to survive without the current system yeah well, I think, yeah, I think the trick is to try and find a way out of what you've done. And there's other ways of doing it, too. But it's, you know, obviously a lot of them are are difficult. But, like, for me, it would be, like, kind of, like, ide- I'm not saying, like, I'm not ideally, like, doing this would be, right. I think, one way out. Like if you could this is a positive this is a positive thing. If you were teaching people how to do something, if you were teaching somebody about something, you are doing so much good right now. Like, yeah, uh, just, you know, and if you can make money doing that, that's, that would, that would be ideal doing YouTube or podcasts or whatever, but that's also, you know, any type of art, I guess would be a way out, but that's also extremely hard as you know. Um, well, I mean, we we do farmers markets, and I make hot sauces and bottle those, and and we hand write our labels, and we don't go to Staples to get that. We encourage the people who buy our hot sauces to return those bottles. We give them money back. My wife uh, makes brooms from corn. Uh, we sell produce that we make that is far too much for us to store or grow. Like, you know, I make money. <laughs> like, I make pretty good money. I work functionally, like, in society, interacting with people three hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's possible. Well, no, I know it's I know it's possible. I was more I was more kind of referring to like the maybe like the YouTube route, which is what I'm which is what I'm trying to do right now. But right. Um some of the I mean like what you it sounds like what you what you you figured out a way to to work outside of the system. My point is is it is it is definitely doable to work outside of the system, meaning not get a regular job basically, but it's it's right. harder to do. But yeah, so moving yeah. on. Moving yeah, on so to, um, to, <laughs> to uh, global warming, just because I, I wanted to try and get as much information on this as possible. Because once again, like I was saying before, I, with inflation, I kind of feel like there's you hear a lot of stuff, but you don't really know, you know, with the, with the news and it's all the different both sides of the news or whatever. It's hard to get the facts, I guess. With global warming, you also hear people who are saying it's not real then you hear people saying it's totally real but it seems like it's hard to get kind of like a definitive answer on like when shit is really going to hit the fan i've heard recently that as soon as maybe 2050 or something but so 
Well, you, you can even say already it's hitting the fans like with fires. Like, there was like a fire literally like very close to my house. But in terms of like really being bad, wh- like I guess when do you think it's going to get <clears throat> really bad? What's your outlook on the future in terms of global warming? <laughs> Not good, buddy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, in reference to what you're saying about 2050, 2050 is where they are expecting sea levels to have risen one foot. Um, that's not as innocent as it sounds. When you think about what one foot is, um, you know, if you're at a a 10 foot by 10 foot square room that's 100 square feet and you're six feet tall and the water level increases one foot in that room that's not just like a slightly bigger like wave that's one foot up now literally 12 inches over your head and this is going to happen you know globally uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, because again, the, the algorithm is sort of uh, fed to us, but, you know, uh, Juneau, Alaska, have you seen what's happened in the last few days in Alaska? Where a- Not really, maybe, no. A, gl- a glacial lake was uh, <laughs> melting at, uh, so a glacier was was melting into a glacial lake, which is normal. And it, but it, the glacier was melting at such a rate that the glacial lake overflowed. And now there's homes just being washed down a river. Uh, I, I live in Vermont and the news feed here, you know, uh, the news here has been these catastrophic rainstorms that have come through. I, I experienced it in my own home, you know, three feet of water in my basement when I've never had a flood. Never. And I am at the top of a hill at 2000 feet above sea level. Uh, my, my friends and neighbors at lower elevations, uh, they, they lost a lot, a lot. And farms are wiped out. Uh, you know, it, Canada just had its warmest July on record. Like there's, there's, there is people who say things don't exist. And then there's actual visible facts and peer-reviewed science. And the peer-reviewed science for July is is coming to and and breathing into life. And people are seeing how far above normal, quote unquote normal. I don't know if this is a video podcast too, but I'm doing air quotes. But, you know, Australia has had its coolest July on record with an average temperature of 56.6. Fahrenheit. It's summer in Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere. The shit is, it's, it's right in front of your face. And anybody who tells you that it isn't real is either misinformed or misinforming you for profit. Or, or they just don't want to believe in it. They kind of would rather just be like, oh, well, it's, it's like, ignorance is bliss type thing you know where it's like oh it's how how can you be ignorant at this point though how can you not but yeah like look at at hawaii 
They can't, people are jumping into harbors yesterday and today to get away from the rapidly spreading wildfires. 60 mile an hour winds feeding wildfires. You would look out your window and there would be no fire. You would turn back to your computer and then look back and it was outside of your house. People are jumping into the ocean. Wow. Like, it, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's totally fine. Um, yeah. So, how much do you think? Well, for one, it, it's like a. I feel like this is like a stupid question, but it's a. a you've probably seen that meme where it like shows the um, the Statue of Liberty, and it's like at the same level or whatever as it was like a hundred years ago, and and people use that to be like, oh, well, shouldn't it be higher? Like, I, I'm kind of confused on that myself. Is it just the tide is at the same level? Or is it like, like when they show certain areas being at the same level, um, you know, what's the answer to that, I guess? You know what I mean? <laughs> that... Well, I guess if I am going to be involved in a conspiracy, I would say that, again, this is the manipulation of information. So to your point, um, tide you know and and just yeah. tides <laughs> like they're just taking a picture when it's at the same level essentially as but it's uh, yeah. really going higher and lower and you might not see and i don't have the elevation of you know the the harbor at new york city but you're going to have harbors that are at a lower elevation everything you know it it isn't flat it isn't a smooth surface this is a the probably the ugliest golf ball you'd ever see if you were to drain all the water off of it so what might happen at you know if you were to drive to the beach and sort of measure arbitrarily somewhere wouldn't work and if i was to drive to the beach and I measured arbitrarily, that wouldn't be science. Now, buoys that are in the ocean, that are devices that measure their, their own altitude and you know, uh, a place in the globe using a global positioning system, that's science. So look at data, look at peer reviewed data. Don't look at a meme. <laughs> like it's, it's a yeah. meme to anybody is it's just i mean you know yeah also we have a little dog in a top hat you know with a burning fireplace around him and this is fine as as our explanation for climate change uh yeah. it's it's not fair in the month of july 81 percent of the humans on our planet experienced extreme heat that is 6.5 billion people yeah well i mean i'm experiencing extreme heat right now in california it's it's been hot and it's um but it's like it's kind of hard why well, I, I know it is getting hotter like that's the most basic way of proving it it's just it's getting hotter but it's hard for me to be like well how hot was it here 30 years ago or whatever like i don't I wasn't even in the same spot, but it's, it's hard to say. I, I know it is getting hotter, but I think my point is, is like most people really aren't picking up to it on a day-to-day -day basis because 
unless you literally are in the situation where you're jumping into an ocean or, you know what I mean? Or your house is getting ravaged or in my situation where there's a fire. But um, I think it's, my point is, I think it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, well, it's just not happening. Or if it is happening, this is just normal. I've heard people say that where it's like this, you know, it's cyclical. They love to say it's cyclical. Exactly. It's cyclical. But the whole thing is that even if it is cyclical, it doesn't matter. Like it's still happening. Right. So it's like, even if you say, oh, well, the earth gets hotter and cooler or whatever, it's like, it's still happening. But the big question I have would be for you is, are we causing it? That's another big question. Are we causing it? And if we are, can we stop? And how do we stop? You know what I mean? And is it, is it mainly coming from like the big companies like Amazon and who are like um, polluting the world, you know? Well, uh, you know, so the, there's a lot of levels to that question. And yeah. absolutely, I believe that we are causing it. I do not think, and, and just really quick off of the last last thing you said, I don't believe that temperature is definitely the best metric for this. I think extreme weather events is the metric for this. And we're, we're, we're already seeing more and more of these things. A 15-year-old died in Tennessee trying to get into his grandma's house uh, because of a thunderstorm, decided to spawn a tornado. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, these heat is very easy to recognize, but mass death from weather events, that's coming. <laughs> so yes, I do believe that uh, climate change, global warming, global boiling, uh, the new term from the UN Secretary General is happening. And I do believe that it's human caused. It is a product of carbon emissions. And now we are finding ourselves into a feedback loop, something you'll hear us say on the podcast, the Broken Shovel podcast all the time, that now that we have hit a high temperature, we are going to see more evaporation. And that water vapor is a greenhouse gas. Now that greenhouse gas is holding temperature down which in turn creates a positive feedback loop where it occurs again and again and again. So fortunately this year, 2023, we aren't seeing a lot of hurricanes early on because uh, the whole jet stream is, is bananas because of El Nino. But that feedback loop, that constant warm water, warm air, warm water, warm air, just constantly going uh, in, in, in a, oh gosh, I know the actual term for that. I remember learning it, junior high, doesn't matter. Um, Coriolis effect. <laughs> that Coriolis effect is, is a positive feedback loop, which, and positive doesn't mean that it's good. Positive means that it doesn't have anything to stop it. <laughs> yeah. So in like an ideal world, which was, I know we're, we're not, I don't think we're like, we're doing too much about it, but what would you say we should do to prevent it from happening? Would you say that we should like, just almost kind of like ban any type of big company that's polluting or like no jets, maybe even 
I think they're already working on like cars, like regular cars, trying to make them um, electric vehicles. But yeah, so I yeah. mean, well, first of all, I guess, are we doing anything about it? I really don't even, I mean, I know a little, I know the left, especially in California is trying to do like, what's the, like the new green deal or whatever, but are we doing anything about it? And if not, yeah, how far should, should we go to try and stop it? Well, it, it, it consistently goes back to, for, for me, and, and this is my personal philosophy. This is not uh, necessarily representative of uh, the podcast, but it, it goes back to reducing your dependency on the current system. You can learn a skill. Do you you have a patio? I mean, are you in an apartment? Are you in a house? What's your what's your setup? Let's make this I'm, more personal. I'm in a house. Okay. You got a yard, front yard, backyard? Yeah. Do you have any garden? Not really, because we're in kind of like a desert area. So I think we have kind of like a desert landscape type thing. Okay. Uh the first thing I would recommend to you is container gardening. Uh, you know, go to Home Depot and get yourself some buckets. Go to the landfill, get yourself some buckets, even better. Uh, and, and get some soil and plant a basic garden, a salsa garden, tomatoes, jalapenos, and onions. Those are all going to do very well in Southern California. Shit, get yourself a fourth or fifth bucket and you put some weed in there. Now you're not driving to go get tomatoes. You're not driving to go get jalapenos, and you're certainly not driving to go get weed. You can do these things yourself, and complacency and re relying on a system that forces you to put out carbon, you can take a tiny, tiny little step. You might get 10 tomatoes, and that might be... 1% of the tomatoes you eat in a year, but you've taken a bite out of that system of those tomatoes that were grown in Peru and shipped to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or Rayleigh's or, you know, any of these, these grocery store chains. Yeah. That would be like on an individual level, which is actually probably, you know, the, that's the what best, I want. That's what I want to see. Level. That's what I want. That is the yeah. best level is an individual level. The, the bill of sale that we were given about recycling in the nineties and how only we could stop climate change. was total bullshit. It was absolute bullshit. And you know, what percentage of recycling is actually recycled? I think it's somewhere between five and 15%. The rest of it still goes to landfills. We've got these massive float, floats in the ocean it's it's absurd meanwhile you know the richest people on the planet the richest companies on the planet are pumping out carbon at an amount and somehow convincing us that we're responsible it's 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 a level of absurdity that i can't even fathom like recycling doesn't do anything but they told us if we didn't do it into these extra plastic bins that they sold us, that it, we, we, the, the planet would end up exactly how it is now. So you don't think recycling is really doing no. anything? No, I mean, absolutely I, not. Maybe at that time, like they thought that it was or would. You know what I mean? I think that that's a big part about it is it's like the information we get kind of like changes as we go. And so it's like at the time, maybe they thought, recycling would 
would do the job and it's our fighter now it, it's not you know what i mean <clears throat> but who was telling you that i don't know i mean the government well the the plastics industry <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> the, the plastics industry was telling you to recycle because they were going to keep making plastic and here we are at a point where you know what's the most recent study we are all essentially eating up to one credit card's worth of plastic a month just from just plastic being around so we just like plastic kind of getting in the food or whatever or yep yeah you, 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 yeah everything microplastics they have found it at the deepest points of the ocean that we have we have uh delved into plastic was invented in what the late 40s early 50s that plastic still exists somewhere so do you think we should almost plastic then like i would love that i don't see it as practical i mean obviously i'm talking to you wearing eyeglasses on a computer and but how much of the you know look just spend a day looking at the plastic in your life and it's how much over. of this do i need do i need to put two limes into one bag at the grocery store or can i just set those two limes in my basket and they will be perfectly fine yeah well, it's like, yeah, speaking of which, it's like I go, it's just funny, because when I go do the Walmart Sparks, they obviously have this bag, everything, which makes sense. But it's like a lot of times there's, there's like way too many bags, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, that are necessary. It's like they they have 10 bags when there could be five or whatever, or, you know, like you said, none, if you could just yeah. carry them. And I try to never use bags personally, you know what I mean? This is what I'm picking up to deliver. But um. Yeah, so well, in terms of Amazon and the big companies, but like from my perspective, I really just don't know. I feel like I don't know anything at all. But what what are they like? Like, let's just choose Amazon, I guess. Like, what are they doing exactly to add to the global warming? Like, obviously, you have all the blue vans driving around, which is emitting carbon. Do they actually have plants that are like? shooting out you know pollution or whatever like what else are they doing you know, what I mean? uh, you know i other than a giant warehouse in in every major city and then i'm assuming like the suburbs around them you know when i lived in in the bay area i could get something in two hours from amazon right now yes there's that van bringing it to me or that van bringing it to an individual like yourself who's then bringing it but I, I'm always, you know, I, I, I absolutely hate carbon emissions and the, our, our societal demand on having things is very difficult to, to combat. However, a massive warehouse that feeds other massive warehouses that are all surrounded by asphalt and that asphalt is joined together by other asphalt you know by roads uh these are the things that are very dangerous to our planet this spreading disease of of not having uh greenery in our lives and and not having uh just plants growing for for carbon capture at a basic like just carbon capture at a basic yeah, like, I mean, well, the, the, and the reason why I'm asking is, is I, I hear all the time carbon emissions and um, these terms, I guess carbon emission would be the main one. 
but I don't really think of exactly where it's coming from. Like, obviously you have cars that are emitting gas, Mm -hmm. but then like you just said, just the warehouse being there on asphalt connected to other like basically instead of having some homes and places that don't have gardens don't have plants growing on them ideally instead of having all these i guess like businesses or like warehouses or buildings ideally we we really want to have like grass there trees right i mean um it's not it's not necessarily just emitting like the pollution out of the pipe it's just the fact that the warehouse is there or just the fact that like Right. I mean, that's kind of like what yeah. you're saying is bad. Yes. And yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, sort of, you know, somehow thinking that we have dominion over this planet and that we can decide where plants do and do not grow. You know, I, you look, I, I can be I, it's very easy for me to be on a high horse because, yeah. you know, it's Any, two miles anyone, really. for me to even it's very, it's two miles for me to even look at a paved road. And then from there, it's it's a whole different game. Uh, and when I order, you know, I don't have a Prime account, but I do order from Amazon. So I, because I need bottles for hot sauce and they have sort of controlled the market and it's very hard for me in a rural area to not, yeah. uh, you know, need them. But having, let's see, housing developments that never have anybody move into them, uh, you know, having these entire city states that are that have 10 less than 10 percent of them as park or greenery uh you know i encourage anybody to go to if you're on reddit go to the subreddit no lawns and look at ways that you can you know turn that little path between uh your uh your your street and your sidewalk into a vibrant garden uh, which is a carbon capture and, you know, will bring back uh, pollinators, things like that. It's, it's, it's really easy to oversimplify carbon emissions and things like that into buzzwords and, uh, uh, you know, things that fit nicely on the news. But if you are not actively doing something yourself in your own backyard, and again, I go back to one bucket's worth of tomatoes you have made an impact. And I truly believe that. Just because I am lucky enough to be in the middle of fucking nowhere and picking berries uh, on my walk and mushrooms and everything else doesn't mean that people that live in Southern California and people that live in the Midwest or people that live in the desert can't combat the system that is causing global warming. Yeah. And and the thing is that you are someone you you're speaking you're um speaking the truth but like you're you know you're doing what you should be doing so really you you have the right to because you said that you're you can be on a high horse but you really are you really are doing the correct thing um whereas like some I was like more speaking to myself where it's like I can sit here and be like oh we need to do this this and this but it's like yeah i'm personally not doing a whole lot about it like i mean i try and be as like minimal personally as possible like i'm not you know but it's like um 
And like you said, yeah, it, it comes down to the individual level, I guess. Yeah, but it's like we're not like like you said before, like we're not really gonna like probably get the government to change, but no, they have no interest in helping us at this point. That is absolutely obvious. Yeah. So in terms of these companies, um like Amazon and Apple, they all say that they're green and in a way <laughs> I think it's 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 kind of like at least kind of good that they're at least claiming to be like green or liberal or pro blm or whatever but it's like and pro gay rights and all that but it's like the big question is it's are all they lip service are they really yeah exactly and it's no, like it's all pr it's all pr i don't think um, any of them really even care but i mean i kind of get the vibe from these like kind of like tech companies that like it's like they seem to actually care but it's like, I believe there are individuals within these organizations that care, and they are driving that voice. But I don't think when you see a board of directors meeting, they're asking before they ask how much money they made, how much good they did in the world. That's just, you know, it's, it's, it, that's, yeah, no, they're not. Short answer, no, they are not. They are yeah. not asking, did we help enough people today? Yeah. And well, it's sad too, because you probably, I'm assuming you probably know about like the whole Congo situation where it's like Apple and all these smartphone companies are getting their um, lithium from the Congo where they're having like child slaves and all this crazy shit out there. But then mm -hmm. meanwhile here, they're saying, look at how much good we're doing. Like, look at how much we're helping people or um, how green of a company we are but it's like meanwhile they're outsourcing all their shit to africa and don't care about them at all well and because i don't want to get on to another lecture i would encourage yeah. anybody uh that's listening uh to google put two words next to each other in a google search and uh just type in nestle slavery and see how you feel about your purchases uh yeah. from there is that happening here or is that happening out are they like outsourcing otherwise uh, uh, there it's it's been going on for 60 years and that's just with nestle chocolate right it's like right yeah and that's yeah. okay and and if you don't think that and i i saw you were drinking bottled water and i don't want to pick on bottled water but who made that bottled water like if you I mean, what's the brand? Oh, you mean what's the brand? Uh, it says like, looks like it says refresh. Okay, I can't see it. But yeah, no, I can't. You're all blurred. Uh, uh, refresh, I think. Purified drinking water. So, but uh, a Dasani, I think it's Dasani, is owned oh, by. Oh, yeah, doesn't Nestle. Nestle make these too? Yeah. So yeah. your bottled water, your your uh, just just do it just google it i'm not i, I i've spent enough time lecturing yeah. today <laughs> so really i can probably start there like i actually think that i'm like smart by having bottled water because i'm like well at least i'm drinking a lot of water but really i shouldn't even be buying bottled water i should i should probably get like a cup and just use tap water or whatever right mason jar i mean this one's filled with weed but um mason jars you can use them to preserve your food and when you're not using them to preserve your food uh you can fill them with fill them with water yeah okay so and that's the whole thing is i don't even i don't even think of like on a day-to-day -day basis of how bad I, I, my mindset's not even there of how bad 
those are, but you were just saying how bad plastic is. But so it's an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. And but it's like the whole thing is I really can do something about it. It's just more convenient. But um, (laughs) you know what I mean? But um so lastly, in terms of going forward, like bring it together with the homesteading thing and even maybe like a little bit of the prepper thing. Well, first of all, like I mean, honestly, like, do you think it's a good idea to even like have kids at this point? Um, because I've thought about that. It's like if if by 2050 shit's gonna hit the fan, like realistically, is it a good idea to have kids? And then also, um, I mean, do you think it's gonna eventually get to a point where we're our like everyone kind of has to live or do something to kind of like um live off the grid or kind of like get away from it all i guess is it going to be kind of like more of like a, maybe naturally it'll be more of kind of like a self-sustaining type of thing because everyone's gonna to have to like move out of california and stuff you know i don't i don't have a crystal ball on this um you know my mine and my wife's decision to not have children wasn't related to climate change immediately it was much more personal and uh you know we don't regret that decision uh, we live in a community that will be able to, uh, well beyond our useful years, live, uh, you know, in a very small town. People tend to look out for each other. Uh, I have friends who have kids. Uh, Eric, our co-host, is a single dad, and I, I don't think he'd trade it for the whole world. Uh, you know, he also gets to get his kids to help him in the garden. <laughs> so, and I can't get him to get his kids to come up and help me and mine. But uh, I, I don't, I don't have a magic answer on that. Uh, you know, your decision is your own. If you, if you look toward the future, and you think that, you know, maybe, just maybe, your kid's the one that's gonna turn it around. Maybe. Okay. Sure. Maybe you are such a good person. You're going to create the perfect person. Uh, but also maybe, you know, don't feel that, that pressure to have a kid because you've in turn create less duress on the planet. And, you know, my reasons are my own. My wife's reasons are her own. Um, and I, I wouldn't dare put my philosophy based on not having kids onto anyone else as much as i expect that someone who had kids uh wouldn't uh wouldn't put that on us unfortunately that's not often the case so (laughs) they're always asking us why we don't have kids and that we should have kids yeah it's yeah it's kind of a complicated thing but because you know but um but you know my girl i don't even really want to get into it but my, my girlfriend wants to have kids and it's like I don't really, and it's, I don't really want to like blame it all on the global warming thing, but like when you hear about this stuff happening, it's kind of like, maybe it's not a good idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like really? Well, like, yeah, you know it's I mean? ab- but, there's absolutely an argument for that. But if, you know, and, and to play devil's advocate on my own life choices, uh, if you are facing extinction, then what do you do as an animal? Because we that's what we are. Oh, you try to actually produce more, really, kind of, right? Right, right. And, you know, and that's sort of 
you know, you hear that constantly, especially out of the Christian right at this point that, you know, the more children you have, the more you build God's army, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't necessarily believe that. I know that my goddaughter is learning from me every day, even though she's still in California and she is gardening and she is learning skills from me as I'm not a, I'm not a parent. I I'm, I'm a friend of hers and I don't think it's necessary to have children to be able to progress positively and to progress and share positive knowledge and skills. Uh, there is opportunity in all of our lives to share what we've learned, what we love, and what we love about other people uh, with not only our peers, but our peers' children, our, uh, our loved ones, and our loved ones' children. Yeah. So, it's not mandatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, like, do you, do you think... Um, yeah, like I know you already said you have a, you don't have a crystal ball, but do you think eventually it will get to the point where everybody's going to kind of have to live, you know, similar to you maybe? Or I think everybody's going to have to make adjustments. And for a lot of people, the majority of people, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable. And this is pretty um, much with this is pretty much within our lifetime soon too, right? I mean, Here we are, 2023. Uh, I would say comfortably within my own judgment, uh, within 17 to 25 years, people will be making adjustments to their lives that are extremely uncomfortable. Okay, yeah, that's... That's, you know, that, I mean, I think that kind of like makes things interesting because I, it's kind of like messed up to say, but I think that it's kind of like, there's a part of me that we're, where you're, you're like, this could kind of get excited, not, not in a good way, because I know it's not good, but like living like off the grid and kind of like going back to like living like how things were before, I think you you can view it i mean you know what i mean like you like it more living like that obviously there's going to be a lot of uncomfortability to do it and there's going to be a lot of death and stuff like that but it's like there's a part of me that's kind of like oh well maybe that's i don't want to say a good thing but it's like it'll be it'll be exciting let's just say that but then it's like there's also going to be a lot of death and a lot of um it's going to be Love bad basically. yeah um and that's why I really do encourage skill learning. You don't have to be a prepper to, to be able to identify edible greens. You don't have to, to be a prepper to know how to filter water for your children and your family and your neighbors. Uh, you don't have to be a crazy person that has you know a hundred square foot room filled with ammun ammunition to know how to eat meat it's it, these things aren't mandatory and by learning skills not only are you chipping away at you know creating good in the, in the world 
and you know taking lead out of it essentially uh i'm not anti-gun but uh you know if you can't trap a rabbit what makes you so good at shooting it like uh, just anyway um yeah i just i truly believe that if everybody takes a tiny little step toward believing that we're better and we're not actually meant to live in little boxes that we should be laying in a field somewhere naked eating mangoes uh you know it's <laughs> you know uh, again, it's it's the forty year old hip. Well, I'm older than forty, but um, it's the hippie guy that really wants to see people stop thinking that this is the only way. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because as like a human race or as animals, essentially, we've 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 really honestly done a good job in terms of like being the you know the um at the top of the food chain or whatever and like kind of like getting ourselves into a situation where we're like really overly kind of comfortable and every you know food is easy to get and all that but now we're getting to a point where it's like we're just like destroying ourselves and the planet you know what i mean it's like our goal is to like live as long as possible but now we're like literally gotten to a point where we've we've overdone it you know what i mean like we've overshot it you know yeah yeah, no, we, we're, we're, yeah, no, it's, um, it's an uncomfortable position to be in. And like I said, I, I keep, I guess we've been coming back to that discomfort and, and realizing that we're in an uncomfortable situation right now, and it's going to get more uncomfortable is uh, tough. It's very tough. Yeah. So lastly, I'll ask you, um, obviously about your podcast and then also if there's any other music movies, um, or movies, TV shows, podcasts, or even music, whatever you're into. It doesn't even really have to be about global warming or homesteading, but that um, are good to listen to, to like either that you listen to or that are, that are good to listen to, to learn more about, you know, what, what you're oh, talking about. Sure. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. Um, so the podcast is uh, Broken Shovel, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. Uh, it's, it's myself and two very good friends uh, discussing not only our, uh, you know, geez, my phone suddenly went crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to pull up my my uh, recent musical downloads, uh, but it's our podcast is about climate change. We zoom in on an issue uh, locally, like flooding, uh, which we recently experienced here in Vermont, and then we will zoom out and and not only look at the global causes but how this is also happening around the globe uh, to other people. And it's, you know, it's, it, it sounds very depressing, you know, but it really is informative. It's three people learning and doing their absolute best to teach others how to sort of ed- exit the system and garden and learn about what's actually going on around the planet. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, like I said before, like you're doing exactly what you should be doing for what you believe. Like you're, you're, you're um, putting your money where your mouth is, or whatever. You know. Like, I guess so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people talk about it and don't do anything. Like you hear a lot about these celebrities who are, 
or these companies who are like preaching this stuff and they're still taking private jets or whatever you know right yeah yeah so what about is there any other podcasts or or any anything really that I guess you could learn about this or movies or music. I, I mainly ask this question just because I'm, I'm inter- very interested in learning about more podcasts or music or movies. So it could be anything, but any others you can think of that are good to learn about this stuff? You know, uh, since uh, spending so much time podcasting, I, I found it's like when I, I try, uh, I tried to do writing and things like that. I found myself to, I stopped reading because I found it was influencing myself too much. So I don't listen to a lot of podcasts anymore that could possibly uh, influence me, but I do highly recommend uh, it is, I think it's Radiotopia's uh, Everything is Alive. Uh, It is a short form interview show where an interviewer interviews inanimate objects uh, like a chainsaw or a can of generic cola in the back of the refrigerator. It's like 15 minutes long, but it, it, it has this great ability to sort of uh, pull you backwards from what you norm- how you normally perceive things. Uh, so if you wanna hear like <laughs> an interview with a lamppost, uh, it's, it's absolutely hilarious, absolutely poignant at every turn. Uh, I, I really love it. Um, That's like very interesting, as- like, like- it's like literally just him talking to an inanimate object, and that's so. I, it's, I, and there's so no response, it, a, obviously, right? No, 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 no. There is a uh, usually a comedian or improv actor. So uh, let's see what I can remember here. So the chainsaw episode where he's the 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 host is interviewing a chainsaw. Uh, he's sort of getting some background about the chainsaw. The chainsaw says, "Oh, my father was a was a bandsaw, and my mother was a necklace." And it's just these very funny observations of things you don't think about every single day. Uh, a bar of soap, uh, you know, just it's just it's a very silly show. And if you're ever feeling sort of overwhelmed by the world, this is a great one to listen to. Everything is alive. Okay, cool. Um, as far as music goes, though, like I don't think what I listen to is really for everyone. It's, I listen to a lot of uh, uh, bluegrass, uh, more to that new grass, people that are sort of rediscovering an ancient uh, music form. Um, lately, I've been listening to the, uh, the Cody sisters, uh, which is like a great pair of, of women. Um, uh, so if you like a little bit of banjo and a little bit of soul in your life, I would recommend uh, just plug in the term new grass into your uh, whatever app you listen to music, I guess. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Lucas. I'll definitely check out your podcast and your TikToks too, right? Is that under the same name, Broken Shovel? Uh, Broken Shovel Farm is the TikTok. And that's uh, if you liked my rants. Uh, and also want to learn about flowers and things. So I guess that's that's the place. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I, I know we went a little bit over, but I think you. I think we that's fine. A- answered all the questions I had. I feel a <laughs> lot I? more knowledgeable about it. All right. Thanks a lot <laughs> for listening, guys. Bye. All right. Oh, I am the host now.